John chapter 10, 11 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Grass withers, the flower fades, word of our God stands forever. In our text from this morning, we read this statement from Jesus that he has sheep that are from a different fold. Just right there in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. There are those from outside of the tribe of of Judaism that Jesus is seeking to bring into the fold with him as the ultimate good shepherd. There are these sheep that are scattered and some of them are there within. Some of them are the Jewish people who have been longing for a Messiah who are going to place faith in Christ and become a part of this flock, this fold. But Jesus says he has other sheep that he's longing to bring in underneath his shepherdhood as, as the chief good shepherd. This is one of the ends that Jesus is working for, to bring in the sheep that are his, that are scattered across the globe, and I would say scattered across time, that there are these sheep that belong to Jesus that he is seeking to gather into his fold. This is one of the ends that Jesus is working for, to gather in all the sheep that are his. The question becomes, though, what are the means by which Jesus is seeking to accomplish this end? He wants to, he has all of these sheep that are not of the fold, but he's seeking to bring them into the fold. That's one of his ends. He's wanting to bring these sheep in. That's an end. That's a goal that he has. But how is Jesus going to go about? What are the means to that end? How is he going to accomplish? How does he intend to accomplish this work of bringing the sheep in? If you flip back to Matthew chapter 28, this is a very popular passage called the Great Commission. But here we hear the means of how he wants to accomplish this ends. This is Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, page 993 of your pew Bible, if you want to look at it, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." We know that Jesus is going to accomplish this work of bringing the sheep in through his people, through the church. 
the means by which God is going to accomplish this end of the bringing in of the sheep that are His, the means by which He's going to accomplish that is through His church. Jesus is sending out in this passage here, Matthew 28, He's sending out those who are His to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that He has commanded them. The church is God's means to accomplish the end of bringing in all those that are His. This is the main idea of what we're working on in our time together this morning. The church exists for gospel saturation. So in our series, our little this is the third uh, week now of our little mini-series, Why Church? And we've been working not out of a central passage, but out of a main idea. And the main idea we've been working out of is the church exists for God's glorification, for the people's sanctification... And thirdly, gospel saturation. The church exists for God's glorification first and foremost, for the people's satisfaction and sanctification, that was last week, and thirdly, for gospel saturation. When all of this centers around God and the high value of His gospel, when individuals hear the proclamation of the gospel, when they come to know themselves as sinners deserving of the wrath of God and then seeing it poured out upon Jesus Christ who lived the righteous life they should have lived and they they put their faith in this work of Christ on the cross. They hear this gospel message, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. They hear this gospel proclamation and believe it, they come into the church. That, that's the front door to the church. The front door for every one of us. The doorway into the church is the gospel. If you think you're in the church through any other door, my parents went there. I've always gone there. It's closest to my house. It has the nicest facility. Uh, my friends are there. If you think you're in the church for any other reason than through the doorway of the gospel, you're not really in the church as it is truly known. The church is a gathering of Christians. But as we hear this gospel message and come to faith, we become a part of the church. And so then, as the church gathers under this glorious message of the gospel, we exist to glorify God. Because we know that we sit here by the grace and mercy of God. We know that we are saved. We are brought into fellowship with God. Not because we've done something amazing. Not because we're deserving. But we are brought into the church and we are rescued because God is amazing. Because God has done something. We have failed. We have fallen short of God's glory. And what God has done is He has sent His Son to rescue sinners like all of us. And so, when that's the doorway in... How can we do anything but glorify God when we gather together because of the amazing work that He has done in rescuing us? The church gathers for God's glorification and then we gather for our own sanctification. As we gather for our joy in the gospel, our central desire that God would be treasured and glorified and magnified, it's the center of all that we do, then we gather together and rejoice in that and are motivated to live in a way that honors this God who has saved us. Sanctification is the process of becoming more godly. Not becoming sinless, but sinning less. 
doing less things that displease God. Our desire is to live in a way that is pleasing to Him, seeking our sanctification. Our, we seek our sanctification and our satisfaction in Him above all other things. So the church gathers, the church exists for God's glorification. You don't see that one. For God's glorification, the people's sanctification, and lastly, for gospel saturation. So as we gather for those things, gospel saturation begins to occur. If your joy in the gospel is abounding... How can you not want that joy to be the joy that those around you know? If you're truly coming into the church through the joy of the gospel, if you see what God has done for you in Christ, and then you, it provokes you to want to live in a way that honors Him, how can you not, when you walk out of these doors, want those around you to know this same treasure, to know this same good news, to be welcomed into the joy that you know in Jesus Christ? Now, I'm using the word saturation on purpose. Lots of times we talk about the spread of the gospel. Now, it's a good term. I, I like when we talk about the spread of the gospel to all nations, that the gospel would be spread. But as I was thinking on it this week, there's a, there's a way you could think about spread that would, would, would give totally the wrong idea of what we mean when the gospel goes forward. Um, there are different depths of spreading. And this is, um, it's like when my kids... Well, it's kind of like getting different amounts of ice cream. Uh, the kids always want me to dish out ice cream and not mom. <laughs> Do you know why? Because dad dishes out ice cream. It's like if, if, if you want to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I have a couple of slices of bread and I got a lot of peanut and jelly. And it's falling off the side. That's how I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, some mothers, they, they will take and be more conservative and just put a little slice of peanut butter on there. And they spread a thin layer of peanut butter on the bread. Whereas I think of spread as like we're going to put, we're going to commit to this thing. And I really want it to be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? So there's, there's different levels of spread. And so when we talk about the gospel being spread throughout our um, culture, we don't mean like a, a veneer of the gospel, a veneer of, the Christian, of Christianity. Do you, uh, you know what a veneer is? It's when you got a, a piece of furniture that's made out of nothing but particle board, but they put a nice veneer of something fancy on the outside. It's a thin layer of something that, 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 that um, disguises the truth of what's really there. So, when the veneer is this thin layer, honestly, in our context, in our community, I think we have, we have quite a spread of many of the principles of Christianity. If you went around, people would know the name of Jesus. Might know that Christmas is, Jesus is the reason for the season. They know something along those lines. Jesus was born, whatever that means. We celebrate Jesus being born at Christmas. They might have an idea that Jesus died on a cross. They might think Jesus was a pretty special person. May not quite get that he's God, but they would say Jesus was a big deal, um, died on a cross. What all that means, we don't really know. But if you were to poll our community, I think you'd find a pretty good spread of some gospel principles. But that's a veneer isn't really the spread of the gospel. There's no confrontation in their minds of themselves as sinners 
under the righteous wrath of God. Instead, there's just a, there's just a, a thin layer of, oh, this is kind of what Christianity is about, being nice people and, 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 and you know, just kind of trying to do the right thing and don't cheat, don't murder, just try to be a good person. That's the spread of the gospel. And the church, that's not saving faith. That, that doesn't do anything for you in the sight of God to have this veneer, a general knowledge of Christ, a, a shellacking, a veneer of Christianity that doesn't actually saturate, that doesn't actually penetrate into who you are. This is not saving knowledge. And at the end of the day, it will not be true help to anyone who is under the judgment of God to have a veneer of Christianity. So I'm picking saturation because... I don't want us to just think we exist to spread a veneer of Christianity. Like, all we're really about, we just want to make nice people. Can we just make nice people? And I mean, I'm not against nice people. <laughs> I, I like nice people. Let's be nice. But if all we're doing is to make nice people, we're just spreading a veneer of Christianity. We're not called to spread a, a religious veneer onto people's lives to make them nicer people. We are being called for gospel saturation. So when you think of saturation, I want you to think of a sponge. Okay, you know what? We used to clean with a sponge. Now you clean with a Norwax rag. I don't know why, but we used to clean with a sponge, right? And it would just, and you know what? If sponge, it gets all dried out, but once it gets in the water, it just becomes saturated. And if you if you set it on anything, the sponge that's saturated, what does it do? It, it saturates the thing that it's connected to. We. Um, play hide-and-seek at our house now the past few uh, nights, and uh, everyone takes a turn hiding, and I went, and Darla had a, a, a Norwex mop, right? This is not a sales pitch. It had a Norwex mop head hanging up in a window, and I went and hid behind the curtains. Real, it, was real, it was actually a pretty good hiding spot, but I went and hid behind the curtain and was staying there for a long time and finally got found, and when I got out... I. The back of my leg was all wet. Well, I'd been leaning against a saturated mop head, right? And what happens when you lean up against that saturated mop head? It gets, it gets you wet. Just by the process of it was so saturated that it got me wet as well. So think of a sponge and, and think of, um, think of a, since it's so freezing cold out, think of a nice summer day and a sprinkler party at your house. Did you ever, like, I'm old school farm kid. We'd get out, like, the actual sprinkler that's made to water the garden. We'd dance through that. We didn't have no fancy whirly gigs. We just had a sprinkler. But so say you get out, uh, it's a summer sprinkler party, and you got the hose, and what's the goal, dads, of a sprinkler party? Who, though? Is it for the kids to have fun? The main goal, sure, we want the kids to have fun. What's the main goal? Get mom wet, right? Isn't that the goal? Is that it's, it's okay if the kids have a good time, but really you want to lure mom out there somehow so that you can get her, you know, if you, and you quickly back off if you know what's good for you. But there's two ways though, right? There's two ways to go about getting mom wet. First way is to take the hose and just be doing general Saturate. You're just spraying the hose around, trying to get as many people wet as you can. And then she ducks back into the house or whatever or under a tree and you can't get her wet. That's one way. And it, it's effective. You can get someone wet that way. But there's another way to get mom wet. And the, way to get mom, and the other way to get mom wet is to soak all the kids down and soak yourself down and then go give mom a big hug. That is another way to saturate mom. And so... I know that's kind of a silly analogy, but I, I think 
that this can relate to what we mean when we talk about gospel saturation. How is the church about gospel saturation? It is about, in, in the first instance of just spraying the hose, the church is about just proclaiming the message of salvation. We are to be about saturation through general proclamation. Sunday morning service, our doors are open for anyone and everyone that would walk through these doors. Uh, they are welcome to come in and they will hear a gospel proclamation that applies across all spans of life. Here's your reality. Here's who God is. Here's what he's done for you in Christ. It is a, it is a water hose just spraying of the gospel that anyone would hear it and repent and trust Christ and come to faith. The church exists for that kind of saturation. That's why we have VBS. It's why we print newsletters out if it ever actually makes it to your door. We send things out like that and we have Bible studies that are open to everyone. And we have, we have all these events going on that are involved in this saturation of just, just a general... It's why we put all of our sermons online. Um, I don't know if you know we did that or not, but all of our sermons that are preached here, you can go to our Facebook page and find them. We have a, a, a podcast. You can listen and it's just... It's just a general spraying out of the gospel that, our, that the world would know and we would do our part for gospel saturation. Yet there is another way to go about this. And that way is, to, is, is like the second example of saturation. It's to make sure that the church and consequently all of us who are in the church are so soaked with the gospel ourselves that we are so caught up in the joy of what Jesus has done for us. We are so blown away by God's grace and mercy that he would rescue us. That when we walk out these doors and we encounter other people, they can't help but get a taste of this vocabulary, this joy, this, this, uh, this rejoicing that is in us because we are saturated ourselves with the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We pursue and we exist for gospel saturation by ourselves being saturated with the gospel and then going out into the world and connecting with those who do not know this gospel that our saturation would leak off, would pour out onto them that they couldn't help but walk away being touched by the gospel message because they've come in contact with someone who themselves is overcome with the reality of the gospel and what God has done for us. I mean, you realize you, you do leak things all the time. You, you, do, you are a sponge that something is, is coming out of you at all times. If, you could look, if, if you're an angry person, I mean, you probably know, you could think in your head, don't shout them out. But if you could think of a person who just kind of exudes anger, like you can about guarantee at Thanksgiving... At some point, like clockwork, they're going to get angry because they, they just they, they have anger. If you've got someone who's just the bubbly up, always happy personality, you can be assured that they're always, no matter what tragedy, they're going to find some sort of silver lining. And you're going to look at them cross-eyed like, I don't know how you came up with a silver, but, but okay, they, they just, they are so full of it themselves full of whatever this joy, full of peace, full of, of positivity, full of anger, full of whatever it is they're full of, that whenever anything touches them, that, that's what comes out of them. 
That happens across the board with all of us. What if the thing that we were so consumed with, so possessed by, so enamored with, It's the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when we interacted with the various things that happen in life, when we're squeezed, what what comes out? The gospel, who we are, who God is, His holiness, His righteousness, what God has done for us in Christ, the peace, the comfort, the confidence, the assurance, the satisfaction, the contentment that is found in Jesus Christ. What if we ourselves were so caught up in that reality that when pressed, that's what came out of us. Is That is the church being saturated with the gospel. Not just going out and just and plastering the message, which is a fine thing to do. Uh, much in church history of men open air preaching in fields, gathering thousands to hear the gospel proclaimed. It's good. But there's another way, and that's for each one of you, each one of us as individuals, to become so enamored with the gospel, so in love with what God has done for us, that when we are, when we come in contact with those outside of the church, the gospel flows from us. What are your fields for saturation? Next Next week, we're going to do a, a little a standalone week on missions and, and taking the gospel to the unreached peoples and across the globe. And that's mission work. So when we talk, and that's certainly part of the church's job, but sometimes we think gospel saturation is just about reaching those people in, in um, Indonesia or in India or wherever, that that's, that's what we're thinking of when we think of, of gospel saturation. There's people all over the world that don't know Jesus, and we've got to figure out how to get the gospel to them. Absolutely we do. But what are your fields for saturation? Unless you're Lori... You're, you're staying in, on the continent, and you're not, Lori, I think she was in the nursery, I think. Uh, unless you're Lori, you're not flying miles away to go take the gospel to somewhere, somewhere on the other side of the globe. You're right here. This is your field for saturation. Your own household is your field for gospel saturation. Your extended family, your friendships, your co-workers, whoever God providentially brings across your path, you are put there for gospel saturation. How can you best prepare to be faithful in those situations? The best way is to be soaked yourself in the good news of the gospel and to be faithful with the relationships God gives to you. Practically the most difficult place for gospel saturation impact is in your closest relationships, but it's also where the fruit begins to to grow. In your practical, personal, closest relationships, how saturated is your immediate household? Not, not your co- We're not thinking co-workers yet. We're not thinking your friends. We're not thinking your extended family. We're, I'm talking the closest relationships that you watch TV with at night, that you have meals with, that you are around all the time. How, what is the level of gospel saturation in your immediate household? Do you foster God talk? And honestly, I, I have to repent of this Constantly, it is the easiest place for us to forget the importance of having gospel-centered conversations. You get so comfortable, you're talking about the issues of life, what goes on tomorrow, what goes on tonight, what goes on next week, what are these appointments, what's all these different things. You have so many conversations that you forget to make time in that closest of conversations 
to have gospel-saturated conversations. If you believe in God's mercy toward you and adopting you as His own child and of His love working all things to the good of His people, how does that not affect your conversations at home when you're discussing all the various issues of life? When people annoy you, when things go wrong with your family, what about the difficulties? Does the, this conversation about who God is and what He has done, does the gospel impact those intimate relationships. Do you stop and ask each other, trying to get as practical as I can be, do you stop and say, okay, we've had a 45-minute conversation about this. What is God trying to accomplish here? What, let's, let's, peel back, let's peel back from the immediate fires going off in our lives or whatever, this problem with this kid or this problem with these people or whatever, jobs or money. Let's pull back for... Two minutes. What's God up to? How does, how does the gospel impact? Are we upset here? Are we dissatisfied? Are we frustrated? Are we worried? And how does the gospel impact that? Do you ever take time? That's gospel saturation. That's not going over to India to proclaim the gospel. That's right in your own house tonight. You can work on gospel saturation. Taking those few minutes and those intimate conversations. What, what sanctification? Asking something like, what, what sanctification is God working in us right now? How is God at work for our good in this situation? What do you think God would like to see in this situation? Just a few simple questions that would direct the attention of our conversations into the area where, where that gospel saturation that hopefully you've stored up in your own joy in the gospel is then given an opportunity to flow out. These conversations are so important to have with those closest to you because it adds to your own saturation, the ability to, to, in your friendships, to be able to ask those same questions that to branch out this saturation. If it helps, always blame me. So you sit down with your spouse or you sit down with somebody close, you're close to, just say, you know, my pastor, he wants me to ask you a question about Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't, I don't know, but I'm supposed to practice up. And so, um, you know, what do you think God's doing here? I don't know. That's his question. It's not mine. I'm just saying he wants me to ask you. And so what do you think? How do you think God's sanctifying us? What do you think? I'm supposed to have conversations about Jesus. What do you think about Jesus? And just, just work. Blame me if it helps you. Can I work? You see, how can, can I work on? How can God work in that? And what do you think of Jesus? All these sorts of questions working on our gospel saturation. It comes from... The most important factor is ensuring that we ourselves are satisfied and saturated with our own joy in the gospel, connecting in real ways with those who are around us so that our saturation, our satisfaction bleeds over into those relationships. Meditate upon Jesus and his work in the gospel. Read his book. Open up the Bible. Let it speak to you. Spend time in prayer. We exist as a church, for God's glorification, for the people's, for our sanctification, and for gospel saturation. This morning, come to communion and remember all that Jesus undertook to rescue you. 
come to communion and rejoice in the joy that is found in our Savior Jesus Christ for the satisfaction of your own soul and for the saturation of this good news because of our satisfaction to all those around us. Let's pray. Father, help us. Saturate us with the good news of the gospel. Give us your Holy Spirit, God. Pour out your Spirit upon us that we would be saturated and filled to overflowing with the good news of the gospel, that our joy in you would be so great that whenever the trials of this life come barreling at us, they have nothing on the joy that we have in you. They cannot take an ounce away from the satisfaction and the security that we have in you. God, do a work among us that only you can do by your Spirit, increasing our satisfaction and our joy in you, saturating us with it, so that as we exist for your glory, for our own sanctification, that the saturation of the gospel would, yes, flow into our relationships and out into this community that your name would continue to be glorified in this community. Do this work in our hearts, God, for your glory, for our own joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.